Hello and welcome to the Marketing That Matters podcast, casual conversations for purpose-driven women. Each week we'll talk about what's grabbed our attention, productivity hacks making our life easier, and chat about a purpose-led brand. This week on the podcast, we're talking about the wellness industry and are marketers like us to blame for making women feel bad about themselves? We also look at a podcast by David Dobrik, Views, and he interviews Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio. If you don't know who they are, stay tuned. I definitely didn't. (laughs) Our brand feature this week is Canva, and we talk all about how the founder, Melanie Perkins, started the brand. And how hugely successful it is. So, Jade, what's got your attention this week? I read an opinion piece in the New York Times. It's from 2019, but I still find it very relevant today. The article is called Smash the Wellness Industry by Jessica Knoll. And she raises an interesting point about the wellness industry really being the diet industry in a new era. And she asks a great question. Why are so many smart women falling for the wellness industry's harmful pseudoscientific claims? I'll read you a little bit from the article. She says, the dying industry is a virus and viruses are smart. It has survived all these decades by adapting, but it's as dangerous as ever. In 2019, dieting presents itself as wellness and clean eating, duping modern feminists to participate under the guise of health. So Alicia, as someone who's studying nutrition, I am really apprehensive to actually go and work in the field, as you've probably known (laughs) by me saying this before, but I feel like it's dominated by messages to women and men that they're not good enough as they are. Plus, there's so many people out there representing wellness advice who have no actual qualifications in their area. So what do you think? Am I just on my high horse about this? (laughs) No, like it's not the first time that um, I've seen wellness marketing and to be honest, beauty marketing too, that play into our vulnerable selves. And playing into that vulnerable self almost means that if you hear something that will help it's a lucrative it's a lucrative industry and mm. so many people it's a slippery slope for even the people that start getting getting success from it because they might have found a sweet spot in the wellness space um, to to help and genuinely I do think that a lot of this well these wellness type of businesses start off with the right intention but because of how lucrative it is, it's easily, it's easily swayed into becoming a beast and almost after you've found that first win with you know, your money and, be- and becoming quite successful, what's the next one? What's the next one? And therefore, that's where I think a lot of consumers get carried away with advice that's not correct. Yeah. And this is what this article is. I was just nodding away to like most <laughs> of the article. And look, I haven't studied nutrition but yeah, you're, it's it is it's something to to be aware of and check yourself. I think if you find yourself yeah. falling, because I think we can look at it as two ways here. Like I, I, even though I am studying nutrition, I'm still reading that article and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been that as a woman. I've been all those things that she's saying. But I think we can look at it in two ways. We can look at it as being a consumer and have we gone down that path before in terms of buying into the notion that we're not good enough and we need this product to make ourselves look better or feel better. But we can also go down the other track of the advertising and marketing having some responsibility in doing this because we're obviously on the other side as well. 
Yeah, it's 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 almost like, of course, they're not going to that. There's no money in just telling you to think positively. <laughs> like, be positive <laughs> about yourself. How does that make me money? You know. So, mm. of course, they're going to go into into selling you an, a scheme or something that you need to do because then, therefore, you need to pay for it. The article says, I paid a lot of money to see a dietitian once before in New York. When I told her that I loved food, that I'd always had a big appetite, she had nodded sympathetically, as if I had a tough road ahead of me. The thing is, she said, with a grimace, you're a small person and you don't need to eat a lot of food. The new dietitian had a different take. What a gift, she said, appreciatively, to love food. It's one of the greatest pleasures in life. Can you think of your appetite as a gift? It took me a moment to wrap my head around such a radical suggestion. Then I began to cry. People don't usually tell you that. No. That you're allowed to love food. You're allowed to eat. <laughs> you just need to understand what your body needs to function at its best capacity. Mm. And that's different for everybody. Different for everybody. Yeah. And to be honest, we all enjoy different things too. Mm. So some people might find enjoyment off eating xyz and that might work for them but don't necessarily say okay i have to do that too and force yourself to be eating that type of diet Mm. like it's i i think i um i think what else this article um this article made me think is it almost plays into the fact that there's quick fixes in things Mm. and i guess marketing does that because and we've spoken about this before if you need to we we love the vulnerable like playing into that vulnerable self because it's these quick fixes buy this you'll be this do this you'll do this you're studying nutrition and you're the first person to be able you know you've you've done a whole degree in it that it's it takes time to learn what your body needs Mm, yep and that effort is what a lot of consumers don't have or time yes yes Mm. and the education like a lot of people don't don't know that but I think um, it's worth saying, like you were talking about the being a consumer. She did also say in the article, wellness is a largely white privileged enterprise catering to largely white privileged, already thin and able-bodied women, promoting exercise only they have the time to do and tusk and kale only they have the resources to buy. So I think it's a really important point about you, what you were saying about money this market is targeting those people who actually already have the money to spend. They've got money to spend on things and they're looking for money to spend on things. The newest activewear, mm. the newest vegetable, if it's kale or something else. Mm. Like, So I think you're right in that businesses might start off with a true intention, but obviously go down the track of, well, this has made us money, so we're going to keep going down this track and selling people things off their vulnerability that they might not need, mm. essentially. Mm. which I don't know how I feel about that as a student nutritionist and as a marketer at the same time. Yeah, look, the beauty industry is the exactly the same thing. And I found myself yeah. falling pretty heavily into being sold things in the beauty industry as I'm getting older, as, yeah. you know, turn 30 and the wrinkles, I'll tell you, they start to they, they start to appear. How does this happen? Or maybe it's kids, I'm not sure. I, I think it's kids. But um, I started listening on this, I'm the same, because I, I started listening to the You Beauty podcast, yeah. Mamma Mia, thanks guys. <laughs> now I feel like I need every serum under I the know. sun. I know, but this is the thing, you know, because we're marketers, I'm trying to educate myself while also trying to get through the clutter that mm. is beauty marketing yeah 
same thing with the wellness industry. It's it's how to educate yourself, how to find those mentors in these fields without being tarnished by them trying to make money. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's very hard to find pure mentors. Yeah. Because it's the the quick the quick money making scheme is just it's unfortunately how the world goes around. I they know. need to make money and we are there to listen and we're there to buy. So I'm totally going off on a tangent here, but because we're talking about the beauty industry, how did you feel about seeing Celeste Barber as the new face for Emco Beauty? Love it. Yeah. yeah I'm you? very different. Yeah. And I thought it was amazing. Yeah. I watched her um, Instagram video of a makeup tutorial. And if, have you seen it? No. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It is absolutely hilarious. Mm. What I loved about it was that they have her as the face of Emco Beauty and she's not a traditional model or yeah. beauty um, or even a celebrity that would, you know, front a beauty brand. Um, but they've actually let her be herself. So in all the kind of design collateral and the headlines they've used, they've used quotes from her. Great. You know, she's saying, this mascara is the tits. Like, it's just so <laughs> her. It's hilarious. I was um, so interested to see how this goes and if they yeah. do it time and time again, like showing the everyday woman. Yeah. So, mm. well, I'm hoping they do. Um, but apparently their stock's been flying off the shelves at Woolworths. So, Great. yeah. I think if we can continue, if something like someone like Emco Beauty can do something like that, hopefully people can continue down, down that track. Because as marketers, I think, like you're saying, it's a slippery slope trying to make consumers feel inadequate in order for them to purchase something to make them feel better. Hopefully we can find other avenues as well. Yeah, we definitely went off topic there. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's finish with a quote from this article that I found really interesting. Mm -hmm. She said, when men sit down to a business lunch, they don't waste it pointing out every flaw on their bodies. They discuss ideas, strategies, their plans to take up more space than they already do. Let's lunch like that. What's got my attention this week is a podcast episode featuring none other than the ultra-famous teens Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio. David Dobrik interviews them on his show Views. Now, before I jump in to to discuss this podcast, I'll just give you an overview of who these two teen superstars are. In an article in Forbes, it says, Charlie, 16, and Dixie, 19, have experienced a rapid rise to fame, quickly becoming two of the most famous teen celebrities in the world. They've begun posting on TikTok in 2019 and have since accumulated 130 million followers on this app. Now, actually closer to 150 million followers now (laughs) since this article. With 100 million, Charlie's TikTok's most watched star. They've since departed their native suburban Connecticut home from Los- to Los Angeles, where Dixie is also pursuing a music career. The pair ranked, respectively, number two and three on their list of top earning TikTokers, with Addison Rae being the Forbes number one earning TikToker, also a teenager. Now, the interviewee also has a massive following on social media platforms. David Dobrik, if you haven't heard of him, is known for his YouTube success in 2015 and still has a massive reach with 18.8 million subscribers on YouTube and another 1.6 million subscribers on this show, Views, which we're about to talk about. And when I had a look at his YouTube channel, he had had 8,222,194,912 views. That is insane. (laughs) That is just a massive number. Why this caught my attention this week was I need to talk about the massive success these platforms have given these teenagers. Like David Dobrik is only also in his mid-20s and, you know, five, six years ago came to his success with YouTube. 
and these te- and Charlie and Dixie are only yeah teenagers. Firstly, this episode came out five days ago from when I'm researching the topic, and it's already had close to four million views on YouTube. Wow! So this is why I wanted to talk about this, Jade. <laughs> it's just something we can't ignore that these t- these platforms are giving everyday people the chance to be hugely successful. Mm. Now, in the episode, Charlie and Dixie talk about their rise to fame, how they don't consider themselves celebrities. They are just TikTokers, <laughs> which is an interesting point in itself that they don't even consider themselves celebrities, but they are bigger than they are bigger than a lot of celebrities with yeah. just how many people follow them. Now, they don't mind um, dancing with other people that approach them and doing the TikTok dance. This is obviously before COVID, so mm. they, they are very approachable. But what pricked my ears up the most was how brands have inserted themselves into their image. Mm. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Charlie speaks about people dressing up for, with, um, as her for Halloween and how they do that by holding a Dunkin' Donuts cup, which to me just blew my mind. And yeah. I was like, how did a brand get to be part of this girl's image? So she's just really into Dunkin' Donuts and has them all the time. Is that why? She has like a – yeah, so um, I read an article where it says that she had she had given them – um, 294 million free video impressions in under two months for, wow. for Dunkin' Donuts. Just because she's using she was product. using the product in the in the thing. So, who knows when the partnership started? Yeah. But yeah, Business Insider did report that Charlie D'Amelio had given Dunkin' Donuts 294 million free video views. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. So of course, there's now a drink named after her. For Dunkin' Donuts. Because, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. and there's now After a second that, release yeah. as well. Yeah, fantastic. But talk to me, Jade. What did you think listening to this podcast and what are your impressions of these teen superstars? Well, I had no idea about these teen superstars, so thank you for broadening my horizons. Not only did I have to listen to the interview, but then I had to do some research to find out who these two young girls were. And you made me feel very, very old. But now I feel a lot more up to date. Thank you, thank you. That's what I'm here to do. Yeah, um... If you guys didn't know, Alicia's the cool one, and I just <laughs> just tag along. <laughs> I'm cool in definition, like by you. Yeah, <laughs> your standard. <laughs> anyway, I think it's really interesting. It's so funny because not you know, I reckon only maybe five or six years ago, we were still having the battle of getting businesses to spend online. Don't you reckon? Like, mm. and even now, um, I can't tell you the amount of small businesses who are go straight to kind of, you know, quote unquote mainstream mediums instead of looking at online influences and partnerships and things. I don't know why you don't look at it because the amount of reach, look look at the amount of reach Dunkin' Donuts were able to get, like the amount of reach you can get off these partnering with the right people and coming up with the, the right product integrations is amazing. And this is why I want to explain it like this. Tell me if this helps, Alicia. <laughs> the platforms like TikTok, for example, in this case with the D'Amelio sisters, are like the TV stations, mm-hmm. right? And the influencers are like the programs. Yeah. So while you used to, as a brand, you used to, um, you know, go on Channel 7 and buy My Kitchen Rules, a spot in My Kitchen Rules. Instead of doing that now, you can have a look at TikTok and go, okay, the D'Amelio sisters have a lot of following that are our target audience. I'm going to pay them to post something. So that's the kind of the same as posting your 30, you know, paying for your 30 second spot on TV. Imagine how much that costs now. Well, yeah. 
How much? How they cost? Um, Let's throw some figures yeah, out there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it will cost over a million dollars. Interesting. Hey, that's that's yeah, that's the question. But what you can then also go a step further, as well as just paying them to promote your product, like Dunkin's Donuts have done. How can you work at a product integration, like we used to do in My Kitchen Rules? If you had, you know, if you were Coles, they were using your products in the show and things like that. So, product integration is. The, you know, the, those same principles are still there. It's just different platforms and different programs, if you like, or different content. And the content now are these influencers and it's how they use mm. them. So I think maybe that's a good way to explain it to people who maybe don't understand because I still like the amount of reach and stuff that you're talking about. Why would you not look at it as a business? There's so much opportunity for you. Yeah, so I used to work for um, an ad agency that was quite traditional, very traditional. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it had not – we didn't do much digital at all mm-hmm. besides from a few display ads, but we definitely didn't book any digital. All mm-hmm. our clients had another digital agency and then we were the traditional agency. And um, probably around 2014, I went to my bosses to explain the reach on digital because they just didn't understand mm. – so at the time, I think I actually showed them Troy Sivan. Um, do you know who Troy Sivan is? No. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, yeah, I just told you I'm the most uncool person you've ever met. Well, Troy Sivan, like, he was a Perth kid from – and he found his success on YouTube as well. And he was – I I showed him – I showed my boss's choice of art only because I wanted to explain to them the reach YouTube could have to Gen Z. Mm. Well, at the time, it was probably Gen Y mm. because we were – Gen Y was the younger 20s and Gen Z was still in high school. <laughs> but now Gen Z obviously come up. But I tried to explain that to them. They, they couldn't believe how much reach and how massive this choice of art platform he him as an influencer mm. had gotten youtube and he you know now look at him he's he is his biggest taylor swift he's huge as you a tell me yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh i love this sorry i won't throw throw random celebrities at you again but anyway i remember doing this and it was so funny because at first i thought maybe they have heard of maybe my bosses had heard of this this phenomenon um that is social media influence mm. Nope. <laughs> like they had heard bits and pieces, but they hadn't realized that it was reaching. I, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to throw some figures out there. I'm pretty sure he was getting 4 million, you know, yeah. mass, mass, mm. mass. More than TV. <laughs> More than TV um, yeah. we're getting. So, and he was a Perth, a Perth boy. Mm. So I've actually heard of people calling now. TikTok obviously is the latest um, um, mass mass social platform for Gen Z and I've heard of fast food chains calling it the TikTok effect so Travis Scott yes 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 (laughs) I got that one (laughs) has had a similar success for McDonald's brand if you didn't know who Travis Scott was I was about about to give you a quick lesson (laughs) Travis Scott is um who Kylie Jenner had her baby to everyone in case you didn't know I knew that one um he's a musician right yeah first and foremost yeah I'd probably more so say rapper but yes (laughs) musician like Mozart um McDonald's now (laughs) 
Travis Scott has had a similar success with McDonald's brand. McDonald's executives certainly expected the collaboration to work for that very reason. The the company's chief marketing officer, Morgan Flatley, admitted that to remain relevant, McDonald's needed celebrities with Scott's social media power and youth appeal. So this is via Business Insider. Travis Scott is the definition of big in culture, Flatley said. So I think there's one thing, and look, we've talked about culture in when we were speaking about flex culture. Mm-hmm. They are culture now. Like these these influencers, these and yes, they're celebrities, like Travis Scott is a celebrity, but you can't ignore the how influential their mediums are and how important it is for these brands to collaborate with them. Now they have caught on. So it is expensive. Yes. However, yes. however, I really would love to see what the broadcast network's argument is because they would mm. all be fighting for the same dollars, right? Yeah, so before yeah. these before these D'Amelio sisters came along, where did Dunkin' Donuts put their money? Yeah. So that has been lost from major networks. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how the broad it would I would be interested to see how the broadcast networks are making up for the loss yeah. in millions going to now these individual almost organizations on their own like the Demilio yeah. sisters oh, well, would be yeah. an organization yeah, with apparently. how much they'd be making the Travis yeah. Scott organization mm. would be one yeah. because they've got their own reach now through yeah. TikTok and everything else so yes it is definitely something interesting to watch and I'm always pricking my ears up to see how brands collaborate with these influencers yeah I think um I don't know why we're still having this debate about where you should be spending your money like if you you should just be looking at where the reach is you know look at look at the dollars you're going to spend on tv look at the dollars that you might spend with an influencer and compare the reach of the two what's going to get you more yeah but let's just break that down one more step yeah what gen z is watching tv yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like the, the reach wouldn't be a lot for, for a Gen Z on, you, t- on TV. It depends who your target audience are. If it's my exactly. parents yeah. in their yeah. late 60s, mid-60s, sorry, mum, dad, <laughs> <laughs> they won't be watching YouTube. Yeah. They don't put, put YouTube on. Mm. Totally, you can still get them on seven, like watching the news. Yeah. So sure, exactly. still give the money there. But if you're trying to get my younger cousin... She doesn't even – I don't even think she has TV plugged into her new rental. Yeah. She wouldn't, what, what do you need a TV for? Exactly. That's literally what they say. Mm. Yeah, it does definitely depend who your market is. Um, but even, like, say, our parents' generation, are baby boomers, yeah. I, they're, they're still increasingly spending their time online as well. Yes. More so in a dual screening way, though. Yes. I wouldn't yes. S- and yes, I know that they do stream shows and things like that. Yep. Um, we're talking to them as if they're <laughs> as if they're ancient. But they're not. They're not. But it's just a different type of online culture than those of yes, Gen it Z. Is. Gen yes, Z, is. 100% would stream TikTok all night versus watch a show. Correct. Or watch YouTube series. There's like literal YouTube series you watch. So the – and or – or download it on iTunes. Like mm. there's there's definitely different ways of consuming media now. And if your if your market is particularly after that Gen Z market, then you cannot ignore the fact that these we people actually they they respond well to seeing their people like the D'Amelio sisters mm. integrated with the brand. Correct. And um, I think that's worth noting that it has to do with the influence as well, not just it's not just enough to advertise on the social platforms. I think the integration with the influence is key. 100%. Yeah. 
Now, can someone find out for me how much Dunkin' Donut have paid the Demelia sisters? Yes, I'd love to know. I know, because before I even thought of this as a topic... They probably wouldn't share it though, right? I, I was trying to find it just mm. because I'm like, tell me mm. how much this costs. Because I obviously watch TikTok and see her with these Dunkin' Donut cups. So I just wanted to know, like, mm. what is this partnership? Usually you can find it somewhere. Yeah. But I can't find it. Yeah. So I would love to know what what they get paid from them. Yeah. Just out of interest. Okay. <laughs> if anyone knows, please let us know. Our purpose-led brand this week is Canva. Canva was founded in Sydney, Australia by Melanie Perkins, Cliff Obrecht and Cameron Adams on 1st of January 2012. In its first year, Canva had more than 750,000 users. Canva makes branding images as simple as a drag and drop, whether you choose to use your logo, social media handles or a hashtag. What was once a time-consuming task will only take a few minutes. Canva's transparency tool also means that branded your images, branding your images can look sleek and non-invasive to the viewer. Now that's exactly from Canva's website. Forbes has reported that the design software business is booming in a work from home pandemic environment. Canva has raised new funding that values the startup at six billion dollars amazing i know i knew this was a successful business but mm. what six billion dollars i can't even fathom that much i was here thinking a big couple of million mm. nope six billion jade canvas purpose what do you see it as yeah look i think you've um touched on it when you read what was from their website about um they said they started the company in a bid to make design accessible to all mm-hmm. and i think they've definitely done that obviously yes. the reach of canva and stuff is huge mm. um I find it interesting, though, that as someone someone personally who was um, – I've used InDesign a little bit myself. I'm not mm. a designer, but I use it to just put things together. Mm. I definitely don't find Canva easy to use after using InDesign right. because I'm so used to InDesign that oh. I'm trying to get it to do the same things and it, it, it doesn't. I'm See, I'm the opposite. Yeah. I've, I've only so, used Canva, so I'm very familiar with, with – Yeah, and uh, you find it really easy? Really easy. Yeah, okay, great. And I'm an absolute design – like – I'm very, very basic when it comes to design. So I need Canva's help. Yeah. Whereas you are much better at design. So you maybe it's a bit more frustrating. Yeah, possibly. I think I definitely find that. And she also said our goal was to take the entire design ecosystem, integrate it into one page and then make it accessible to the whole world, which I thought wow. was really interesting. Because mm. if you look at like a competitor, for example, like the Adobe suite, mm. they have Illustrator, Photoshop and InDesign and you kind of got to work between the three of them yes. to get what you want. So yes. I do find that really interesting. And I think they've definitely done that. Like there were some features in there when I logged in and used your Canva Pro account, thank you, Alicia, <laughs> that I was like, oh, wow, they have this feature. That's amazing. Like that's made, you know, saved half an hour, which would have taken me that long on Photoshop or something like that. So I think they've definitely done that. Mm. Well, it looks like a lot of people have gotten bored Canva because far out, they are dominating the world. Perkins State stake in Canva would be worth more than $800 million and, per- and Perkins and Obrick's stake in Canva together are worth at least $1.5 million. The couple got engaged last year with a, a ring that cost Obrick a whopping $30. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there you go. They obviously yeah. don't value, they, need, they don't need those things. Obrick says, we never feel like we're where we need to be. Achievement unlocks more ambition and there's always so much more you can do. I don't think we'll ever stop trying to deliver most the most value we possibly can to our customers. Now that if that is how the owners are talking about their business mm. and look at look at the word that's right in the core of that is value and that's exactly what we're talking about we mm. talk about a lot in this section. Adding value to your customers is the core of success. 
if customers feel value, they will keep investing in your business. And so having that as your and as your goal in adding value to your customers, then I feel like your purpose naturally is delivered. Yeah. Um, I definitely I read an article on Growth Manifesto and they were talking about how Canva have done so well at there's a starving need for their audience to have design simple design solutions like Mm. they people need design stuff more now than ever with everything on digital and they have done really well at showing them how they can achieve this being able to design anything and quickly and simply with their their product and they do that time and time again in all their marketing efforts which i've done done a really good job at well for i'll just if you haven't actually used canva you can actually use it for free which I remember the first time I used it for free, I felt overwhelmed with how much there was on there. And I was actually excited. I know that I'm in marketing, so yes, I get excited about design things, but I was excited about how much there was on there for free. Yeah. And I went straight on. I used it for invitations, say, like, because I'm, mm. um, you know, years ago, I'm thinking like five years ago, every invitation I had to create I used it because I knew it was all free and I wasn't needing a a pro account at that time but since we started our own business we've we've had a pro account which just means that you can resize and things easily and you're and there's a few more things that are available for you but it's just I honestly do feel like I get my value out of my yearly subscription Mm. and I can't speak highly enough of it and that's a customer from yeah. them. And so I can only imagine if I feel like this, that a lot of other people feel like that. Yeah. I definitely don't feel ripped off by the annual fee. Um, I definitely do think that they keep adding value. Like they keep making new additions. I'm, I'm getting new emails features, constantly yeah. about, and they also give you lots of tips on how to use it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, they do. They do content really well to their current customers. Mm. Definitely. Um, I read that one of their core values at Canva is be a force for good. Um, they say that means they are actively working towards a world that isn't just good for a small few, but one that's good for everyone. Wow. And I found that a really great value. Um, but I was trying to find more information on what they're actually doing. And they had kind of, they do have a lot of like four good elements for their business and f- philanthropic um, efforts, but they're kind of hidden in their blog. Yeah. Um, they definitely had um, some things around championing women in tech, which I thought was really cool. interesting and helping some of the disadvantaged population. So they definitely had stuff there. But I found it quite hidden for a business that's probably doing quite a lot. Um, I wanted to like be able to like have one page solely dedicated to all that stuff they're yeah. doing and read all about it because it, it was all there, but I had to go and really find it. So for especially knowing after what you said and how much their business is valued at, you expect them to be doing a lot of giving back. And I'm sure that they are, but I wanted to be seeing that. I'd be interested. To be honest, I would have thought Melanie Perkins, she's quite ahead of her time, obviously, obviously creating this app you know, in 2012 mm. and now in 2021, it is just booming. So, yeah. you know, I would want, I would be interested to hear from Melanie Perkins as to what she, how she sees purpose-led brands and how she, and what value she gives at businesses giving back to the community and the world and, you know, exactly mm. what we're talking about and what value she puts that on in a marketing sense and a customer sense. Because at the moment, yeah, she, it's not leading the way in their in their business branding. Mm. They give value in other ways. Yeah, you know. So if you think about it, all their value is helping people use that that yes. app better, which is fantastic. Mm. But how much value does she give in what she's doing for the world as well? With such a a massive 
she has a huge reach with who who um with who actually uses this app like mm. what else is she doing i'd love yeah. to hear from her yeah definitely especially if that's one of their core va- core values that be a force for good i think they need to tell us more about that yeah yeah That covers it for this week. Make sure you leave us a review or follow us on Instagram at Marketing That Matters Pod. We love a chat. Thanks for listening to the Marketing That Matters podcast. Hold up. 